You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 423, hooray! Welcome to the cast of Saturday Night Live. Oh, wait, you're out again. The Art of Digital Messaging, a Debrett's Guide, and What's the Deal with John Humphreys? That's all coming up after McCalmont and Butler, and yes...
almost certainly the most exquisite voice in modern music, David McCalmont, and with their first single as a duo, number eight on the UK Top 40 in 1995, McCalmont and Butler, and yes... I really hope that ends up becoming a, a sort of a, a modern classic, if you see what I mean, because it, it really is such a glorious song. And I'll never understand why David McCallman isn't one of the most enormous stars of our time, because I think he's so talented. It's insane. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Just an absolutely remarkable voice and uh, should be uh, topping the bill at, at Wembley uh, at, at his own choosing. Well, but, I, I don't see why he shouldn't be as big as Elton John or, or sort of one of those soul singers, really. Yeah. I just I just don't get it. No. Welcome to the podcast from the Parish Council. This is episode 423. I'm Terence Dackham and I'm joined now by the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Tr- Oh, wait, I'm told he he can't join us today. Instead, here's Juliet Harris. I mean, I ought to tell you off for for mentioning me in the same breath as that man, for whom I've had little time for a while and I feel strangely vindicated in that. But anyway, yes, hello, it's me, Juliet Harris, the person that's usually on this podcast because nobody else can be. Well, who... Who would want anybody else? Oh, well, that is well, good recovery. I, I appreciate that. Or as I often I say... I did well there, did, listeners, didn't I? You did brilliantly <laughs> well. But as I often... Breaking the fourth wall as well, uh, the flea bag <laughs> of, the, uh, of the podcast. But, um, but yeah, as, um, as, as I often say, if I'm booked to speak at events or, or panels, which is not very often, but occasionally, people, I always try and go last so that people go, I'm here because so-and-so. I'm here because I've done this. I'm here because I know that. And I always say, I'm here because they couldn't afford Sue Perkins. And that's, that's always... That's always is where I am in the grand scheme of things. Week three of our new opening feature that has mm. the BBC and the commercial sector battling over taking it on as a surefire ratings winner. Absolutely. And of course, and of course, we do have, you know, national radio broadcasters in our midst doing this feature. Exactly. Exactly. Everything's changed in the last few months. Now I feel honoured that, you know, you were Dane. <laughs> To turn up here. Well, you said you didn't feel... I like that. You didn't feel honoured previously, but you do now. Oh, what it is. I lost it again, listeners. I did so well earlier. Now I'm thrown (laughs) again. Um, This is where I try and get uh, you, the listener, and Juliet to Mm. guess who is singing. Um, But you have to attempt this without checking and using Shazam or Soundhound. So... Uh, pin back your ears and uh, from this 30 second uh, clip only um, tell me who is helping themselves to a bit of T-Rex Well, that's, that's an interesting one, mm. isn't it? Also, I am listening to this down a phone line this week, so uh, yes. so it did sound a little bit like it had taken place in an abattoir in part, wasn't it? But, um... <laughs> Some would say that might have been a better idea for it, but... <laughs> It's peculiar, isn't it? There were some of the phrasing was slightly Kate Bush-esque, although it clearly wasn't mm. her. I'm really struggling with that. Okay. I can't think of anybody it would be. I will guess at um, 
one of those types of singers. I'll say Amy MacDonald, but I don't think it is. Described in her Wikipedia entry as an English model, actress and businesswoman, but Uh-oh. back in 1994, she released her one and only album, Baby Woman, Say oh. Hello to Naomi Campbell. Oh. I was almost going to say Patsy Kensit actually, which would have been would have been slightly a uh, sli- yeah. It's it's very peculiar, isn't it? I mean, obviously previously we've expressed great uh, well, we have to some extent expressed great admiration for Naomi Campbell's um, airplane cleaning video yeah. that we that we enjoyed very much, and I still do enjoy. I did watch that the other day to show it to someone who wasn't as into it as I was, but but anyway, no, that's I I I, I mean the thing about that version was. I don't actually think it was really bad. It was just very odd. And I suspect that the I suspect that most of the album will be the same thing. Well, on the album, as well as mm. original material written by Gavin Friday, uh, of all people, Naomi covers PM Dawn and Donna Summer. But the album reached number 75 and a single, Love and Tears, made mm-hmm. it actually to number 40 in the UK Top 40. So Naomi Campbell has achieved a Top 40 single, which is more than many of us can, can well, say. Quite. So. And, and also a massive learn for me today. That is a, that is a pub quiz question, isn't it, mm. really? So um so and and I believe that Kate Moss has had um has sang on songs previously that might have been hits. I think she sang on a Baby Chance Samples uh, tune. She's she's sung on a um she's sung with Primal Scream. I think so. Be interesting to have a sort of a supermodel's top ten. I think <laughs> the way she phrases it rather makes me think she's either had a guide vocal or she's got it sort of spelled out almost phonetically. Yes, uh, phonetically on I mean, on a sheet in front of her and she's is, kind of it reading it. Bit sort of um i mean that's why i thought the phrasing was slightly kate bush-esque not yes. that i'm saying that kate bush reads things just before no. people send in letter bombs but just because there is a particular well it is a very particular way of phrasing which actually in a way i think when kate bush does it she does it deliberately mm. to be quite arty um or, or it's just the way that she phrases things and you know Sinatra was always famous for how I think for sort of hanging behind the beat and I'm I'm quite a big fan of, of slightly unusual phrasing in in things um but yeah I'm, I, I I think that might be being a bit charitable to Naomi Campbell there what do Naomi Campbell and Frank Sinatra have in common there we are we've got, we've got it they've both been mentioned by by radio team <laughs> Julia Harris on the Brock and Picker podcast I will I will stop doing this eventually by the way I just let me have oh, this moment oh no you've got to let it go on and on and I'm, I've I was got to live thinking, off this yeah <laughs> if they don't have you back for an end of year champion of champions quiz I was thinking well, at least by Christmas I'm going to put together uh, 10 questions from the noughties uh, oh gosh Christmas yes that for... will be that will be well I think I think that is the plan that I think the Good. intention is for me to hopefully go back at Christmas, uh, you know, all things being well. But I would I would also like to have a go at Couch Potatoes with Terence on, uh, <laughs> on the Parish Council Rocking Vicar podcast. Now, long-time listeners may just about recall, a, a couple of years ago, we talked about a fellow called Josh Rivers, who at that time had just been appointed as the editor of Gay Times, indeed their first BME editor, only for it all to unravel within days mm. following the discovery of homophobic, anti-Semitic, racist, transphobic tweets, body shaming. He left no stone unturned. And... No, he was he was surprisingly unprejudiced in his prejudice, wasn't he? <laughs> That's right. Um, he, he was quickly let go. Now, fast forward to this week, and in the States, a big 
big fanfare as comedian Shane Gillis was hired by NBC's Saturday Night Live. A huge move for any comedian. A couple of days later, mm. he's, let, he's let go again because you've guessed it, a slew of racial slurs, this time on a podcast. So, uh, a, a, a slew of, of slurs is, is lovely phrasing, slurs. by the way. I like that a lot. Uh, a couple of questions emerged from this, Jules. Uh, one, a rhetorical one. Why on earth don't major companies undertake um, ju- due diligence? Um, and can, in time, people be forgiven for these indiscretions or, in inverted commas, jokes? Well, I think, so, so firstly, the I agree with you. It does seem very strange that these that these things are sort of ev- evade sort of capture, if you see what I mean. And SNL said, um, their statement was saying is that we want SNL to have a variety of voices and points of view within the show. And we hired Shane on the strength of his talent as comedian, his impressive audition. We were not aware of his prior remarks that have resurfaced over the part, that surfaced over the past few days. The language he used is offensive, hurtful and unacceptable. We are sorry that we did not see these clips earlier and that our vetting process was not up to our standards so they have acknowledged that they that they have sort of dropped dropped one here on not being able to not being able to vet properly although interestingly if you this uh, rolling stone article by the way which which i'm i'm sort of taking from um Towards the end, it it sort of said that, um, and this takes me on to my second point, that that it's one thing for giving people for foolish things they've said a decade ago. And actually, I think the the Rivers thing that we just talked Mm. about, the problem with, uh, uh, although it was totally right that he didn't go on to to, to work at at Gay Times, quite a lot of that material was a decade ago. And there have been some sort of issues where people were, I can't remember who it was, but various kind of celebs have said things, you know that they that they might not they wish they hadn't done but they were very young at the time i think the mp maori black when you go through her twitter feed she says things like oh masses and then a word beginning with s and ending in e but then she was 14 at the time when she Mm. was tweeting that so i can have a bit more sympathy if it's stuff that was that if it's stuff that was really historic when people were very young but this this um it says here that uh the the uh, prior comments of his research in which he made racist homic and home homophobic and sexist remarks on several podcast episodes so we better watch ourselves terence <laughs> uh, some of which were as recent as may of this year yeah. gillis issued a statement at the time so interestingly you feel like saying why didn't snl when when they said they're not doing they didn't do the due diligence it's n- you can't reasonably expect people to sit through years and years of somebody's content particularly if stand-up comedians you know they, they perform in the wild not everything they do is 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 you know is, is online etc but when you have got a stock of podcasts which again we must watch ourselves but which are known for being not quite the same as radio broadcasting which are known for being a bit more different in that they're kind of off the cuff you're not bound by sort of broadcasting laws and conventions in a way that you otherwise would be there we we are family friendly as as far as it goes around these parts but we don't swear or anything like that but there are podcasts that have swearing explicit ratings you think if that stuff is available why not check it and particularly you know you surely you ought to check podcasts because that's the most likely place that stuff that is ill-advised is probably going to going to be said see my 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 output to this podcast today but um (laughs) but this this chap says so he issues a statement at that time saying if you go through my 10 years of comedy most of it bad you're going to find a lot of bad misses i'm happy to apologize to anyone who's actually offended by anything i said which itself is not particularly contrite in my view yeah, it's a bit and actually, 
Yeah, and I and I have a I have a bit of an issue I think with this chap who I have to be honest and say I didn't know who he was until until we decided to do this story. Now, having said that, I am not and I'm the first to admit this. I'm not hugely up on most aspects of American culture. I'm up on some of it, but I think the equivalent would be like one of the one of the comedians that appears on our shows over here, say Joe Lysett or Sarah Pascoe or somebody like that. Maybe that's our equivalent over here. I'm not sure. But anyway, um, this this chap responds to the news with his own statement. And I have to say, I wonder how you're feeling about how contrite this is, because I, I feel that he could have perhaps done better at this. Um, it feels ridiculous for comedians to be making serious public statements, but here we are. I have no problem with that. I'm a comedian who was funny enough to get Saturday Night Live. Well, I mean, that's not exactly, um, um, you know, sort of modest, but fair enough. I guess <laughs> that's true. That can't be taken away. No, I suppose that is true. Um, of course, I wanted an opportunity to prove myself at SNL, but I understand it would be too much of a distraction. I respect the decision they made i'm honestly grateful for the opportunity and then the absolute killer of lack of contrition at the end of this statement i was always a mad tv guy anyway mm. yeah it's it's, it's, <laughs> it's it's all a bit weasley. if you're not that bothered the reason i ask about coming back from um mm. disfavor is that it seems very hit and miss michael richards kramer in seinfeld has struggled oh, yes. to ma- he struggled to maintain any form of work after a, a awful racist outburst at a club gig i think it was about 2006 however the aforementioned um josh rivers is now uh, only two years later uh head of communications for black pride so it seems you know there are no rules for redemption really Mm, no, that is that is interesting. And also, and again, to talk about sort of a, a wider thing, when it comes to redemption, someone, you know, said to me, why is it that there are people, there are people that, that you know, Winona Ryder, for example, shoplifts when she clearly wasn't very, very well. And it took her 15 years to rebuild a career. Whereas Louis C.K., Louis C.K. is, I know it's now doing club gigs again. It is. And, and I do feel that, that, that sometimes the extent to which people are forgiven and allowed to come back is gender based as well coming next hone your tone uh, the debrett's guide to digital messaging uh, that's right after this splendid track from wire there's great danger Yeah. 
been a big fan of wire for years and actually my gateway drug into wire was elastica <laughs> ripping them off all the time and then getting sued so um so i'm quite i've always been into them but i'm a i'm a, been a huge fan of that track for years it was on the um I again I, I first became wise to it partly on Pink Flag and partly because it was on a rough trade post punk compilation that I used to listen to constantly for about three years and that was the, the wire track on that. But I had the opportunity uh, some unexpectedly to be star for a night with um with my friends band and I will speak more of them later on, uh, Manu and the Matrons. I um that Neil, their sort of head instigator, asked if I would sing two songs of them at a gig three years ago and we did possibly the most chaotic version of that on record i think it had a ukulele part which of course was my part which of course that's the only thing that wire have ever missed and um and also um I, I didn't help by forgetting all of the words at the exact moment I was meant to sing them. I get that that was a drawback, but um, but no, I've been a, a huge fan of that track, um, a huge fan of why I went to see them several times with my the aforementioned uh, my friend Neil, and uh, a part of our ritual was going was going to see why was having a lovely time looking at their effects pedals, which were many and various. We uh, we saw lots of those, particularly um, Colin Newman used to have an orange pedal with C Newman written on the side of it, which used to really make us laugh. It was the fact that you know that that wire was so venerated and yeah he felt the need to write his name on one of his pedals it always i always felt it should have had you know those school name tags you get that are sort of red and white stitching i felt it should have had one of those on it really but no i love wire i think they're a great band um I, I remember seeing them in london in 1977 and they were very noisy and rather angry but they were great and they really improved i saw them again a couple of years later they really improved over the next couple of years because they just constantly toured between 77 yeah. and 79 there are certain areas of life where it's easy to categorize people into two distinct groups remainers and brexiteers oh. meat eaters and vegetarians those who love sport and sad lonely people with no purpose in life um <laughs> then there are those who abide by the rules of life and other outliers who go their own way now how about the world of Digital messaging uh, it appears that Debrett's, the self-styled etiquette authority, feel we all need guidance. And so they published The Art of Digital Messaging. Now, Jules, I don't know if you're going to take much of their advice. You're a woman with an independent mind. We know that. Some of the Debrett's advice is a bit confusing. For example, they say, keep it concise, but not too concise. Well, thank you very much. Sign, <laughs> on, sign off in style, they say, which leaves me worried. I might text, I might text a local vicar's wife and inadvertently add three kisses as a sign off oh we... I, I, you see i don't I, I think you know she would be lucky to have those from you <laughs> do, do we need digital message guidance jules well i think that actually although it is slightly ridiculous that debrettes have done this guy though i love the fact that the, the guy that i have a copy of the art of digital messaging a guide to communication in the digital age debrettes have actually done it with their branding so it's sort of blue with a nice little debrettes logo and a border on the front which is very sweet that's made me laugh a lot but actually i think that in the past if particularly if you come from an era where you've communicated in different ways before then communicating on social media so if you're not a sort of 15 year old that's literally grown up in this sometimes it can be quite bewildering to um to to sort of to, to find to, to to find your way through this i remember 
Julian Fellows saying once that he used to be much much derided by his younger friends because he used to use words like nevertheless in text messages because <laughs> the whole point of the text messages is meant to be a brief an abbreviated kind of informal way of messaging although I very much like that I punctuate my text messages mm. which people sometimes find difficult to deal with but actually I, I think you have to think about who this is aimed at and not to put too fine a point on it Debrecht is aimed at posh people or people people from upper classes who aren't necessarily that tuned in to the modern world and I say that in all seriousness and the, uh, again an example of that is and that that sounds like me being sort of reverse snobbish but I think it's completely true there was a profile of David Gork on um, Radio 4 a couple of weeks ago David Gork the uh, the, the head of the, the self appointed head of the Gorkwood squad um, of the Tory MPs that have been booted out of the party for, you know, not wanting to leave with no deal. And David Gork is not that old. I believe he's in his 40s. And there was a profile of him on Radio 4 because he'd been in the news that week. And people said that when he was a, a teenager, he was always in his 50s. And they said that, he, that whenever, rather than hearing sort of punk and 80s indie blaring out of his room, it would always be Test Match, Special and Flanders and Swan. I mean, it was, it was, and and yeah. it's interesting that there are people from certain backgrounds that are, that are, are old young, if you see mm. what I mean. I remember listening to Jack Whitehall's Desert Island this once and realising that quite posh people of, 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 who are young end up experiencing popular culture almost entirely through their parents. So mm. so to that mind, Debrett's is a useful I think Debrett's doing a social media guide is useful for much older people that now want to communicate with their kids or equally kids that that are so posh that they they don't have anything to do with it. I don't know. I don't know where quite where I'm going with that, but there is mm. I think it is good for its audience that they have a social media guide. I can understand because the Brett's is aimed at such a specific audience. I think it's not a bad idea to have a social media guide. I think that make that makes sense. And actually, reading some of these guidelines, they're not a they're not a bad reminder for some of us actually. I enjoy um Although having said that, hone your tone. Keep the tone of your messages upbeat and neutral. Avoid using sarcasm or irony unless you're confident the other person will get the joke. Well, that knocks out about 90% of my WhatsApp <laughs> communications <laughs> then. Um, it's uh, it's very interesting um, as well. When it comes to sarcasm via messaging, Americans are twice as likely to tackle it head on and ask for clarification while 31% of Brits just keep a stiff upper lip and ignore it. Oh, that's so British, isn't it? Also, don't multi-message. Don't send four or five messages if one will suffice. Multiple notifications is distracting and annoying and make it difficult for the recipient to ignore their phone. Now, I do love the fact that a guy teaching you how to use your phone is basically saying, well, most people just ignore them anyway. I think that's there's something really ironic about that. Share with care. Don't forward a message to a third party unless the original sender has given me permission or asked you to do so. I've been embroiled in a sort of a screenshotting scandal involving Facebook groups this week, which is too tedious in high school to talk about here. But yes, that is good guidance is all I would say. Um, I love the fact that um, if a member of your group chat has sent a message without receiving a reply, alleviate their awkwardness with a response, even if only to like their message or say that you don't know the answers. This will prompt others to reply to. That's very sweet, I think, mm. actually. And quite a lot of this, for all that I'm happy to sort of sneer at Debrett's a bit or kind of eye roll about it, 
I really like the fact that quite a lot of this is written from a viewpoint of kindness, actually, surprisingly mm. so. I, I was quite surprised about the fact that, um, that, um, that, uh, that, yeah, for example, practice good exit cut. Fed up with the endless food photos sent in the family chat, wanting out of the daily wedding prep updates or Kate on Kate's bridesmaids, <laughs> formulate your exit plan. Offer a brief explanation, keeping it as close to the truth as possible. Hi, guys. I'm on deadline and need a break from my phone to get some work done. Then leave. That sounds good to me. Oh, the alternative <laughs> is muting. So so next time I send you links to things that I think you might find interesting, feel free, Terence, to tell me that you are on a deadline and really need to get some work done. Uh, I'll, I'll make a note that could come in very useful. One of the dodgiest add-ons to digital messaging is it has enabled the rather rather cowardly method of ghosting. Mm. Um, that's just not replying at all to someone's messages or calls, possibly leaving them anxious and uncertain. And I think this is particularly grim if someone wants to ease themselves out of a romantic relationship. Yes. And instead of facing up and explaining, it's been made all too easy to ghost the other person. Yet on the other hand... I could also see it has a, a certain appeal as it avoids confrontational and possibly painful conversations. But this week I was looking into uh, the aspect of ghosting mm. and Reddit and BuzzFeed have lots of examples of awful yes. ghosting. By the way, it's nearly always men that are the uh, protagonists. I can't say I'm surprised. I've got to be honest. The, the, the worst one I read was by uh, told by this woman called Rachel, who wrote that she was dating this bloke um, in America, and they played pool every Monday. And she turned up on this particular Monday as usual, but the fellow didn't show up, and he didn't answer any messages. So she was getting worried, and she thought, well, she'd been in an accident or something. And then she found out through a mutual friend that he'd moved to florida and that's um, that's quite extreme that's, isn't that's it? quite an extreme thing to do she found him not and, that florida isn't lovely shout out to our florida and american <laughs> listeners but still she found him eventually and confronted him and he said on that night um in question when she was waiting to turn up and play pool he'd mixed her up with another woman also called Rachel and went to see her instead. <laughs> now that's ghosting. That is that's, ghosting. That's that's fine there. I mean, who would argue it's not accidental ghosting? But um God. I mean, I also love the fact that people's explanations, people think that certain explanations will make everything all right. <laughs> Top tip, it doesn't. <laughs> Coming next, how much will we miss John Humphreys? <laughs> no spoilers, not much. Um, that's right after Alabama 3.
to New Jersey, uh, picked up by HBO to be the theme and add some additional menace to the opening titles of The Sopranos. Amazing to consider the first episode of The Sopranos aired 20 years ago, but that was a single released in 1997, Alabama 3 and Woke Up This Morning. Terence sings the hits here on the Paris Council podcast. Yeah, that's that's incredible, isn't it? That The Sopranos has been has been going twenty years. By the way, fans like me of The Simpsons would have enjoyed the episode that involved Fat Tony, the gangster. He's an occasional character in The Simpsons. Um, they did a version of that where Ho- I think it's the version where Ho- the episode where Homer ends up running a private police force <laughs> and then ends up in in competition with fat or rather sort of in opposition to fat tony and fat tony issues a sort of a fatwa on homer saying that he will kill him by the next morning and when they're driving through the streets fat tony and cohen and limousine they play woke up this morning by the alabama through and it works really really well it's a great spoof of the sopranos of course, if you really enjoy my singing, I could always go back to I'm backing Britain. We're all backing Britain. <laughs> yes, thank you for giving me that earworm for an yes. entire week. I'm still yet to take you to task on that, so I better do that now. Here's a tweet from a top television gardener, Monty Don. Mm. Tweeted, he tweeted this on Thursday of this week. I have listened to John Humphreys on the Today programme for the past 32 years with ever-increasing admiration and respect one of the truly great broadcasters and a fine man uh, now for listen- <laughs> now for listeners around the world john humphreys is just retired from the bbc flagship radio show the today program this is like the equivalent of tom brokaw retiring in mm. the states the director general of the bbc tony hall said 
as John hangs up his headphones this morning, there is perhaps no greater tribute than the collective sigh of relief that will be issued by leaders and public figures all around the country. Now, Jules, are you joining in with the eulogies and weeping salty tears at the retirement of John Humphreys? I will begin my uh, my my thoughts on this by yes. saying it's very telling that the people um, John Humphreys is a man of a certain age, and <laughs> it is very telling that all of the tributes that have been delivered yeah. to him have been delivered by men of a certain age. Those are the people to whom he appeals. I've I was having a discussion with some friends about this, uh, and I am. I, I have stopped listening to today. I stopped listening about two or three years ago, partly because the whole Brexit disaster meant it was very stressful, and partly because I found John Humphreys to be increasingly hectoring in tone to no real purpose. And I I felt that his best days were behind him, and I felt that 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 it was time to listen to something else for a bit because it, I I went through a phase of listening if he wasn't on, so I'd turn the radio on, and if he was on, I would switch straight over. Once I got a car that had six music in it, I then joined Lauren Laverne on Six Music, and will never ever go back. And that's the danger if you if you leave it too long and mm. I know lots of people that have increasingly found today difficult because of John Humphrey's obstructive aggressive interview for the sake of being aggressive and making the story about him his reveling in delight about covering news stories about he knows about which he knows nothing I find that really offensive actually and and nobody else would be allowed to get away with that I'm glad that he's going I'm glad that he's gone he was very good back in his day and someone pointed out to me that actually it's true I have vague memories of this being quite young at the time. My friend who's a bit older had better memories of him hosting on the record on uh, on BBC One. I don't know if you remember that. That I remember it primarily because it had an, a very snazzy theme tune, which I nearly picked as my track for this week because it's a complete banger. It turns out I'd forgotten how blaringly great it was, and it had it turned Big Ben into a crocodile. I don't remember Which, this at all. It was great. I had to send you the credits. It turned Big Ben into a crocodile that crawled across the screen. It was it was extremely good. And basically, it was John Humphreys taking apart Tory politician after Tory politician, and and in the in the the dying days of the major government. And he was excellent at skewering people, really, really good. And it seems that I think I think that Jeremy Paxman has suffered the same problems and was mm. eventually taken off Newsnight or left or however you wanna wanna play that. But I think that people that start to believe in their own publicity mm. that become famous for being particularly good at a certain thing that then becomes so skewed and so overly done that I think people start consciously doing something that they were doing unconsciously and then I think it becomes considerably less impactful and powerful than than it was previously and I think that John Humphreys really was very good back in the day and was really incisive back in the day I think that day was 10 or 15 years ago and it will be interesting to see where today goes next because Often I find that presenters it's had in the past, like Michelle Hussein or Evan Davis, for example, who I thought was very good, who managed to be really incisive without being polite, without being impolite, I think are, that get much more out of their people as a result and learn much more interesting things than John Humphreys just shouting over people or not shouting over people at all, depending on who they are. I think there's a lot of talk about his conservative bias. I don't think he was. 
But I think he was overly deferential towards the government of the day over the last few few years. Is it because maybe because they were in government? I don't know. But it's almost like he went from being someone that was very that wanted to speak truth to power that sort of stopped doing that. Was was my overall impression? I don't know. But it's. It'll be interesting to see where they go next. My one regret over this, Eddie Mayer departed to go to um, to LBC a while ago, having been sort of on PM for years and years and years. Mm. It's excellent, by the way, Devin Davis doing it. But mm. I really miss Eddie Mayer. Part of me thinks they should have been a bit brutal with John Humphreys three or four years ago. Perhaps the Brexit thing would have been a time to uh, put Eddie Mayer in his place mm. instead. I I I I feel that they missed a trick there because they've ended up losing a really top quality broadcaster to accommodate one whose best years were behind him. Although I suspect there's an element from some people of believing Humphreys was biased in that if you favour Labour, Lib Dems or Greens, some will say he's a closet conservative, Tory mm. or Brexit voters might claim he's too left wing. There's always an element of that. He's certainly yeah. intelligent, articulate and experienced. But m- my gripe with John Humphreys is uh, on a very similar vein to yours. It's his seeming inability to know when to rein it in and let his interviewee speak. Of course, mm. We don't want politicians ignoring questions and spouting a speech. But all too often, his interruptions bordered on the, well, on the rude and rather too much Mm. on advancing his ah, sort of attack dog reputation. Mm. In an editorial on Thursday, the Daily Telegraph recalled him on one occasion interrupting Kenneth Clark 32 times in an interview and that's about 30 times too often so yeah absolutely a, a dogged journalist and broadcaster but maybe and i completely agree with you his style is now rather out of time absolutely i've got or, or at the very least that i mean i don't think the style of interrogation i don't think interrogation is out of time if anything we need it more than ever at the moment in the era of fake news and in the era of i will say it politicians just lying just thinking mm. they can say and isn't it funny how for years people have always gone on about politicians lying and it, and and do you know what the funny thing is? They lie now more than they ever did. The incident in the hospital earlier this week when, when Boris Johnson told a, a, an angry father of a sick child in the hospital that there were no press, there was no press there, to which point the man pointed at the row of cameras <laughs> and journalists and said, who are they then? I mean, the idea that people just think, and I suspect that Boris Johnson is modelling himself on Donald Trump here, people that think that they can say that the... That the, that the sky is, is pink when it's blue because people in not very well-off towns will want to vote for them. It's, it's you know, it, make, it makes me furious, actually. And there is really a need for politicians to, politicians to be called, pulled up on this stuff and to say, no, look, it isn't the case that Turkey was going to join the EU. It, it, it isn't the case that, that, you know, that these 20,000 new police officers are new. No, they're not. It's existing funding. And I'm all for politicians being pulled up on their lies and their mistruths. But the problem is, is that if you are interrupting somebody 32 times for the sake of interrupting it, you completely nullify your effect. I think the maxim for the modern age for particularly politicians, if if you're going to lie, make it a big one. Uh, see, that's, that seems to be the make it so it. kind of jaw dropping mm. that people yeah. are so shocked that they don't challenge mm-hmm. it. I think that's 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 exactly you've, you've hit something there. That's exactly it, isn't it? That's why it's really difficult. I find it difficult when people are extremely rude to me in public places. I I often 
don't I am that person that thinks of something on the bus home rather than at the time because <laughs> I'm so taken aback by it that mm. I don't say anything. And of course, as they say, a lie can get halfway around the world before the truth has even got its boots on. Yes, very much. Um, time for us to wrap up. So as ever, thanks very much for listening. Really yes, appreciate big thanks. it. Big thanks to everybody who's here or indeed there for our listeners in the States <laughs> or elsewhere. Thanks to Hilly and Rona. And uh, uh, Always. Um, you mentioned earlier a poignant reason for picking uh, this rather excellent closing track, Jules. It's superb, isn't it? And I, I mentioned earlier about Manu and the Matrons. I'm going to pick this Manu and the Matrons track. So the, I mentioned earlier that I had done this rather chaotic version of X Line Tamer with them for playing with them live. I also played on this with them, and it was written by my friend Neil, who very much was the main man behind Manu and the Matrons. Manu, the singer, actually plays the drums, which I think is fantastic. But anyway, um, he and it's typical of Neil, I think, that it's it's really him that runs the band yet it's not his name that's in the title really and I think that's really nice that kind of sums him up um he was a very and it will always be an extremely good friend of mine he was a very generous and, and kind and and uh, and just lovely lovely man who unfortunately was became ill earlier this year and has sadly passed away after too too short a time really I think the speed of it has all taken us by surprise but Neil has always been a, a huge influence on me actually whenever I've said that I'd like bands near that we always say he's one of these kind of accidental archivists he's sort of a John Peel that isn't famous really that mm -hmm. that you know I would say I like something and then his spare copy of something would appear a couple of weeks later for me I mean he, he really was the, the most generous spirited of men and I first met him because we had mutual friends called Tim and Georgia when I was doing my radio show who said oh our friend Neil's in a band and he'd like to give you his music in the in, in case you want to and I love the fact it was always in case you want to play it on air but don't worry if it's not suitable and and being Neil he was insistent that I had a hard copy of which I'd only pressed something like 50 on vinyl so they hardly had any at all and, and I know you know that the profit margins of that are really are really low mm. and and he was insistent that I was given a copy in violin and that I go and meet them in a, I'll go and meet him in a pub with our friends and of course I loved it and I and they, they did used to get plays on six music as well from from Radcliffe and McConey and Riley I think they, they got a few plays and they had they had a play on Lamac once as well so other people really liked their music too and uh, and and I'm sorry that they didn't sort of go on go on to do more they always did sort of little EPs I think there's one that's due to come out that needs to be finished as well which I think definitely will be finished now but I was enormous fan of their music and I was an enormous fan of, of Neil as a friend and I will I will he was very much loved I don't think anybody met who met him didn't like him really he was he was just universally adored and we will always miss him but it was such a pleasure to to uh, to appear with them on on that rather chaotic evening it was it always says a lot when you play together and afterwards you go oh we should have maybe we should have had a rehearsal maybe that would have been useful but um but it was it was enormous fun and I will always think of this with great affection there I, I love the full influences on this as well I think it's great um this these are manual matrons and this from the unexpected side effects EP is golf buggy
stones and fall on the slough. It isn't fit for humans now. There isn't grass to graze a cow. Small rooms are dead. Gun bombs and bloaters and weeds. Those air conditions bright and You've been listening to a Parish Council production.